0: I believe we are in a season in which God is judging both the human leaders and the spiritual leaders of the earth. Just as God was delivering his people from slavery in Egypt and he sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians, I believe we are in a period of plagues. Thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of Way of Life Christian Fellowship's The Gods of the West podcast series. In today's discussion, we're going to explore the question, Does God ever speak or act through the ungodly? This bonus episode will not affect our normal release schedule. Episode 8 of The Gods of the West will still be released on Saturday, January 16th, at 5 p.m. Eastern Time in the United States. Thanks for engaging. Does God speak through the ungodly? is it possible to distinguish a message from the messenger who delivers it must a person be a true prophet to speak the word of god to a people can a message from god be delivered by a non-believer or by an unrepentant rebel against god's will and way the scriptural answer to these questions may be surprising to some followers of jesus but the answer to these questions is yes yes God can and has spoken through the ungodly. To say it another way, a Christian should not equate the godliness of a person with the truthfulness of the message. Perhaps one of the clearest examples of this truth can be found in the story of Balaam in the book of Numbers. The story is found in Numbers chapter 22. Balaam was a prophet for hire who plied his trade in the regions controlled by the Moabites and the Midianites, a region today controlled by the nation of Jordan. Balaam seems to have been a man who would say whatever his clients wanted said, and the king of Moab, a man named Balak, hired him to pronounce curses on the Israelites. However, when Balaam went away to prepare the curses he would pronounce against the Israelites, God spoke to him and warned him not to curse the Israelites. So Balaam tried to get out of the deal by informing Balak that the God of Israel would not allow him to curse the people. However, Balak sent more delegates, applied more pressure, and promised more wealth. God came to Balaam again and permitted him to go with the delegates. The following is the story of his journey, which can be found in Numbers chapter 22 verses 22 through 35. The text says this, But God was angry that he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the road as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn in his hand, the donkey turned off from the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to guide her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards, with a stone wall on this side and on that side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went farther and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, It's because you have made a mockery of me. If only there had been a sword in my hand, for I would have killed you by now. But the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been in the habit of doing such a thing to you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed all the way to the ground. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary, because your way was reckless and contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away from me, I certainly would have killed you just now and let her live. So Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but you shall speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went along with the representatives of Balak. After these events, God commanded Balaam to speak words of blessing over Israel, despite being paid by Balak to curse them. It's a funny story in some ways, but it doesn't end well. After these events, Balaam does help Balak to entice Israel to sin against God. But that's another story. And one that's brought up again in the New Testament book of Jude. Several interesting truths are revealed in this story, but the one we're focusing on today is that in this story God spoke through a false prophet, and God gave a voice to a donkey. And these are no isolated incidents. In other words, Balaam was not the only ungodly person in scripture entrusted with a word from God. In the book of Genesis chapter 20, God spoke to a king named Abimelech, revealing to him that Sarah was Abraham's wife and that the curses that had fallen upon his household were due to having taken Sarah into his harem. Perhaps an even more interesting episode has been preserved in 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verses 20-24. through 24. The text says this, After all this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to wage war at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to engage him. But Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What business do you have with me, king of Judah? I am not coming against you today but against the house with which i am at war and god has told me to hurry for your own sake stop interfering with god who is with me so that he does not destroy you however josiah would not turn away from him but disguised himself in order to fight against him nor did he listen to the words of necho from the mouth of god but he came to wage war on the plain of megiddo the archers shot king josiah and the king said to his servants take me away for i am badly wounded So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him on the second chariot, which he had, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died, and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Josiah was one of the godly kings of the southern kingdom of Judah, and his reign was one of obedience to God and blessing. However, somehow Josiah could not believe that God had spoken to a pharaoh of Egypt, nor could he accept that God had spoken through that pharaoh to him so he ignored pharaoh's words and paid the price with his life again god spoke to and through an ungodly person another perplexing inc- incident can be found in 1 kings chapter 22 verses 1 through 28 in which the prophet Micaiah revealed to king ahab of israel and king jehoshaphat of judah that god has placed had placed lying spirits in the mouths of ahab's false prophets in order to persuade him to initiate an ill-advised battle again this episode reveals that God has placed words in the mouths of false prophets on at least this occasion. And the list of examples could go on, from the dreams God gave to Pharaoh in the story of Joseph, to God's interactions with the kings of Babylon and Medo-Persia in the book of Daniel, and so on. Even in the Gospels, the disciples of Jesus encountered a man who was doing miracles in Jesus' name, but was not one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus' response in Mark chapter 9, verses 39-41 to 41, is telling. The text says this, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward this incident in the life of Jesus, reflects one in the life of Moses as well. The episode can be found in Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 to 30. The text says this, So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. He also gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and positioned them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took away some of the spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, yet they did not do it again. But two men had remained in the camp, the name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. And they were among those who had been been registered, but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and informed Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the personal servant of Moses from his youth, responded and said, My Lord Moses, restrain them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? If only all the lord's people were prophets that the lord would put his spirit upon them then moses returned to the camp both he and the elders of israel now not all of these stories are illustrations of god speaking through the ungodly we know little to nothing about the faith of the man casting out demons in jesus name nor do we have any reason to impugn the faith of eldad and medad in this episode in numbers but what all of these passages illustrate is that god sometimes speaks through ungodly unexpected or even unqualified people. The people of God, in all of these instances, were expected to recognize the message, irrespective of the messenger. The truthfulness of the message was not an indication of the godliness or quality of the messenger. The message and the messenger are distinguishable. Well, if that's true, then why did Jesus say the following in Matthew 7, verses 15-23? to The teachings of Jesus are these. Beware of the false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. In order to understand this teaching of Jesus in the context of Christian scripture, we must notice both what Jesus has said and what Jesus has not said. In this context, Jesus was helping his disciples to identify false teachers, not necessarily false teaching. In fact, Jesus did not comment on the truthfulness of the prophecies, or the power of the miracles, or the reality of the exorcisms of these people. The peril of these people for Jesus was not that they would never speak true words, but rather that their true intent would be to devour the people of God. There is a difference between identifying someone who is walking with God And someone who has spoken a word from God. As we've seen, Scripture has preserved the stories of more than a few individuals who spoke words from God, but who were not walking with God. Individuals like King Josiah, who ignore or discount this reality, sometimes suffer for it. However, these people were never to be leaders of Israel or of God's people. God may have spoken to Abimelech or to Pharaoh Necho or to Balaam, but that did not qualify any of those men to stand in the place of Moses, or David, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or John the Baptist, and so on. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was warning his disciples not to confuse words from God, miracles, or exorcisms, with God's approval, or God setting apart of a person. The fruit of obedience to Jesus, and a life lived consistently with his example and teachings, will reveal one who is walking with God. In our day, we have forgotten and neglected this warning of Jesus. If someone is a good exegete of the scriptures, or has spoken a word we have discovered to have been from God, we think that qualifies a person to be in spiritual leadership, and that these occurrences indicate that the person is anointed and approved by God. Today, I fear that some would put Balaam's donkey in charge of a church because of its good theology and its having spoken from God. There are two types of discernment required of the people of God. We must be competent both to discern whether a message is from God and whether a messenger is from God. And to discern the one is not necessarily to discern the other. One of the best stories I can think of to illustrate these twin responsibilities is found in 1 Kings 13, verses one through 24. The text says this, "'Now behold, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord while Jeroboam was standing at the altar to burn incense. And he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord, and said, Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall burn on you. Then he gave a sign on the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn to pieces, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now when the king heard the statement of the man of God, which he cried out against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But his hand, which he had stretched out toward him, dried up, and he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn to pieces, and the ashes were poured out from the altar in accordance with the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king responded and said to the man of God, Please appease the Lord your God and pray for me, so that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God appeased the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water, nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way, and did not return by the way that he had come to Bethel. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken to the king, these also they reported to their father. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. But he said, I cannot return with you, nor come with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall not eat bread nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way that you came. Then he said to him, I too am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it came about, as they were sitting down at the table, that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, This is what the Lord says, Because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, You are not to eat bread nor drink water. Your dead body will not come to the grave of your fathers. It came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him, and his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. The applications to our subject from this story are multiple. First, when the man of God from Judah appeared to Jeroboam, there's no evidence that they had ever met before, nor would they ever meet again. If Jeroboam had to determine the truthfulness of the message by an evaluation of the quality of the messenger, he would have been out of luck. The man of God from Judah appeared to Jeroboam as a traveling evangelist might appear to you or me or maybe a YouTube preacher today. Jeroboam had only the message to evaluate the truthfulness of what was said. But Jeroboam focused not on the message, at least not at first, which was clearly consistent, the message was, with the covenant of Sinai and the history of Israel. Jeroboam was in the process of setting up a false idol shrine and a false altar. But Jeroboam didn't focus on the truthfulness of the message. He focused on the messenger. Jeroboam's instinct was to dismiss the message because of the audacity of the messenger. And so he ordered the man of God from Judah seized. Thankfully, God intervened and revealed the truthfulness of the message by two miraculous signs. So again, God expected Jeroboam to discern the truthfulness of the message without a certain knowledge of the godliness of the messenger. However, more is to be learned. After the man of God from Judah left Jeroboam to return home, he was encountered by a man claiming to be a prophet who had been given a word from God which contradicted the original word the man of God from Judah had heard. Once again, the man of God from Judah had no way to evaluate the character, faith, or quality of this purported prophet. As Jeroboam before him, he had only the message. For some reason, the man of God from Judah decided that God might have changed his mind. So he distrusted the initial word he had been given, and he believed the word of this prophet. And this came to his great detriment. In a great turn of irony, God then spoke to this false prophet and gave him a true word condemning the prophet who had been deceived. We learn from this episode that God intends us to obey what he has said and not to believe those who tell us that God has changed his mind. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reiterates this lesson when he wrote the following to the Christians of Galatia, in Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Paul wrote, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, Even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. God does not command one thing, and then later command its opposite. Those who are well-versed in the Christian scriptures should be able to discern the voice and word of God irrespective of the messenger. Whether God speaks to us through a pagan, through a rebel, through an ungodly ruler, Or even through a donkey. Those who know the Word of God are able to discern what is from God and what is not. However, discerning whether a message or a teaching is from God is not the same as discerning whether a messenger is from God or whether the one who bears the message is walking with God. To discern that, one must see the fruit. And the fruit, as we've been discussing, is not the truthfulness of the message or the presence of miracles, or even the reality of exorcisms, or even the persuasion of listeners to embrace the truth of the message. None of these are the fruit, which will reveal the messenger herself or himself to have been sent by God. The fruit of one who is walking with God in the spirit is the fruit of the spirit. And these fruits are described in several places, but perhaps the most succinct is also to be found in the book of Galatians. This time we look at chapter five, verses 19 through 24. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Chesed would be the Hebrew, it's agape here in Greek, faithfulness, loyalty, steadfastness, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. To be qualified for leadership in Christian community, both content and godly character are required. This is why when Paul listed out the qualifications for elders or overseers in the churches of Ephesus for young Timothy, he wrote the following in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7. through It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not overindulging in wine, not a bully, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into disgrace and the snare of the devil." If a person fails these character tests, then, according to Paul, such a person should not be entrusted with roles of responsibility in the church, like those of elder, overseer, or deacon. However, failing these tests does not mean necessarily that a message that proceeds from such a person is not from God. Each spirit, each message, each thought, each idea must be tested irrespective of its origin, of its speaker. The test for the truthfulness of a message and the tests of the truthfulness of a messenger are not the same. Those who walk with God speak truth, but speaking truth is not a sign that one is walking with God. Those who walk with God perform mighty acts, but performing mighty acts is not a sign that one is walking with God. This is both the warning of the scriptures generally and of Jesus particularly. We who are followers of Jesus must not make the mistake of King Josiah and assume that we can discount a message simply because of the messenger through whom it has been delivered. God can speak through whomever he wishes. We must know the scriptures well enough to discern the voice of God without respect to who delivers it. Furthermore, we who are followers of Jesus must not assume someone is a true prophet or one who is qualified to lead in Christian community simply because of the truthfulness of the teaching, the soundness of the doctrine, the skill of the delivery, or even by the impressiveness of the products of his or her work. Those who are entrusted with leadership in the church must show evidence of walking with God by the fruit of the Spirit and by the proof of love, as embodied in the life and teachings of Jesus and summarized by the Apostle Paul, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. False teachers and false prophets may speak truthful words, but they should never be entrusted with leadership in Christian community. God expects his true followers to discern his voice wherever it may be found, and at the same time, to beware of false teachers and false prophets who would use the truth to devour the church. May those who have ears to hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This has been our second bonus episode of Way of Life Christian Fellowship's podcast series, The Gods of the West. Join us on Saturday, January 16th, when we'll be discussing God's assault of the Egyptian god of storms alongside of God's assault of the Western god of self. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches.